checking on his stick. chicken on a stick welcome back to another episode welcome welcome uh today is a little bit different in that technically while this was a maggie's week to choose yes uh she was um procrastinating i guess you could say and and deciding on a movie Mm -hmm. so the executive decision was made that during our streams, if you've never seen one, there's a channel point redemption where viewers can request we watch a movie. And one of those movies was the one we're talking about, Dragonheart, requested by Spring Moon Turtle. Which um, was a great suggestion, because I love that movie. Yeah. So it, it's kind of twofold. It's de- technically a viewer redemption, mm-hmm. but also a Maggie choice at the same time, because she loves this movie. Mm-hmm. I, however, have never seen this movie. Right. So... It, it'll be fun to talk about. Yeah. So we will be right back with that. I know why I've come. I know. In giving my heart, I've taken on every poison stirring in his evil breast. Even the pain of his death must be mine. You cannot blame yourself. Death without immortality. That was not the only reason. I had to wait for a time when mankind would not repeat my mistake and let tyranny thrive. When there would be those who remembered the once ways, remember that even in the darkness there is still light. I cannot see. Are the stars shining tonight? Brightly, my lord. Brightly. Then let us end it. Forgive me. I know why you brought me the dragon slayers. You wanted them to kill him because you wanted me dead. I wanted to correct a mistake made years ago when I saved a creature not worth saving. How unmotherly of you. So, Dragonheart is a 1996 fantasy adventure film directed by Rob Cohen, which you should... That name probably means nothing to you. It doesn't But you, you should really love that name because your most favorite new franchise was started by him. That's right. He directed 2001's hit film that launched a huge franchise, Fast and the Furious. Whoa. Oh my god. Um, he also did Triple X, which also spawned like three movies or something. Um, and a handful of other stuff throughout the time. He did do the really bad The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Uh, um, Alex Cross, which I thought was perfectly fine. Uh, and then a couple other movies I've never seen, so ugh. whatever. I did not know that. Yeah. So you like movie by the guy who did Fast uh, and the Furious. <laughs> um, gross. <laughs> The movie also, uh, it's written by Charles Edward Pogue, Pog, 
Pogue. I don't know how you are supposed to pronounce that. Based on a story by him and Patrick Reed Johnson, the film stars Dennis Quaid, David Thewis, Thewlis. His his last name tongue ties me all the time. Yeah. Um, Pete the weight Also Pasta don't weight? don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Dina Meyer and Sean Connery as the voice of Draco. 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 I don't know why I said that. Draco. Oh, uh, he was so perfectly cast. His voice is perfect. Um, just some fun little information about the movie. Cause there's not a lot to go into. It was an original IP uh, that kind of came out after Jurassic Park, and that's very important. We'll get into that momentarily. Mm-hmm. But the movie went on to be nominated yes. at the 96th Academy Awards for Best Visual Effects. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated alongside Twister and the winner, Independence Day. Of course. <laughs> of course, the Independence Day won. Yes. Um, another big thing is that Phil Tippett worked on this movie. Phil Tippett uh, is huge in visual effects universe stuff. Um, So he's got a lot, a lot, a lot of credits uh, under his name. Going all the way back to the first Star Wars movie. uh, Other Star Wars since then. um, Howard the Duck, Robocop, Willow. Oh, I loved Howard the Duck. Um, he did visual effects on Jurassic Park, and then obviously into Dragonheart and things since then. He recently released a movie that he also um, directed and everything, like created Ground Up that had been in the works for years, re- uh, maybe two years ago or a year ago, I forget exactly when it was, called Mad God, which is a stop-motion crazy movie, which I told you that I don't think you would like at all. Nope. Um, would not. The movie itself is got an interesting legacy to it it's not reviewed too favorably critically no um and even seems to have not kind of it got a second life in the home media market so when it came out on vhs and then it is now considered a cult classic Um, Obviously, a bunch of children saw it and just fell in love with the movie. Um, Even Roger Ebert in his review says, While no reasonable person over the age of 12 would presumably be able to take it seriously, it nevertheless has a lighthearted joy, a cheerfulness, that recalls the days when movies were content to be fun. I love that. And Um, I agree. And he said, It isn't great cinema, but I'm glad I saw it. Um, and then Rob Cohen also went on the records, even the, despite the lukewarm reception that the movie got. He went on to say, uh, Dragonheart pointed the way. There would be no Lord of the Rings without Dragonheart. We were the first to do a full CG acting character. And it's been very interesting. There's a great love for the film among certain audience. Uh, and that he's very proud of it. Um... A lot of that comes down to Draco, the character, was uh, in 1994, so this movie was in works for a while, Mm -hmm. Industrial Light and Magic was brought on to do the CG for Draco, Um, so this is coming off of them doing, or kind of during the same time, of Jurassic Park. Right. Um, And Phil Tippett was also brought in because of he... because he did a lot with like animating characters and stuff to do that. 
And then Dragonheart was the first movie to use... Um, I forget exactly what it was called. Their... Uh, hang on, it, I have it somewhere. It was their first... It was to use Industrial Light Magic's caricature software, which was developed to help lip-sync Draco's animation to Sean Connery's voiceover work. So it was the first movie to do that. So it has some things in there that are, like, notable, sort of history, technology-wise, yeah. for film. Um, and if you're if you're watching it today, like, for the first time, you have to keep in mind that this was the 90s, and at the time, that was really impressive. Like, I remember being just mind-blown. Yeah, I mean, it still looks... It still, it still, it still looks, looks relatively yeah. good. Um, I mean, it doesn't look amazing, but it looks, you know, for something in 1996, I was yeah. like, wow, okay, that does look actually quite good. Right. Um, my only exposure to Dragonheart is in January, we watched the latest in the series called Dragonheart Vengeance. Right. Which I believe is a prequel movie. Yes. And doesn't really have anything to do with this first movie at all so i didn't need to know anything to watch it we watched that movie it was whatever it was fine um and then we watched this movie so so yeah. you, did you take anything from the the prequel into this or it made no difference no it didn't make it i don't think it makes any difference um so <laughs> the, somehow i feel like the graphics in the, the prequel were somehow not as good as well yeah because it was made today modern times right. it came out like a, a couple years ago and the graphics don't look any better mm. i mean they're definitely better but they don't look like extremely better than right. what this movie did almost 30 years ago or yeah almost 30 years ago that's insane um <laughs> yeah i don't know in 1996 i just had better movies to watch like what? I don't know what came out in 1996. I know I saw. I definitely saw Independence Day. I remember oh, seeing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever else came out in 1996. When did the Power Rangers movie come out? Because oh, that movie is great. <laughs> if I would know that. That was probably like 1995 or something. I don't know. I definitely do remember seeing Independence Day in the theater. I don't think that I saw Dragonheart in the theater. I think we rented it from like Blockbuster. I was right. Power Rangers was 1995, so close enough. I was probably watching that on VHS on repeat all the time. Yeah, um, yeah there was nothing in this movie that makes me think that I did see it at some point. Nothing in it seemed familiar at all. Uh, I feel like I very easily would have got this movie and Aragorn, or Aragon, whatever that movie's oh, called, mixed yeah, yeah, up, because yeah. they are basically the same movie, except one is based on a book. My brother read that book. I think it's still in my parents' bookshelf. Uh, I have a friend whose daughter is named after a dragon in one of those books. Oh, that's sweet. I, yeah. I just know, like, for me, I every time I hear the Dragonheart theme song, it just it punches me right in my nostalgia. It's a fantastic song. Sure. It's so good. I honestly, if you played it for me, Without me knowing, I don't think I'd be able to tell you that it was a Dragonheart song. I'm pretty sure I learned how to play it on the piano. Yeah. It's been so long. But I, I would like to say before we even started this movie that I told I told Patrick 
that I've loved this movie since I was a child, and if he shits on it, I'm not going to talk to him for two days. <laughs> she did say that. Which is pretty funny, and I'm ready to not talk for two days. Oh, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know that it'll be that bad, but... Uh, so the way I, the way I did notes for this movie is different than how I've done notes for other movies, Mm -hmm. because in this one, I didn't take any of it seriously, and all of my notes are kind of very reactionary to just what my thoughts were in that moment. For an example, I said, the movie opens up with a father and a son sparring, question mark, and then I was like, oh, it's Dennis Quaid, I didn't even know he was in this movie. Uh... Uh, and we're and during this, while these two characters are fighting, which are not father and son, we'll learn that soon. But I didn't know at the beginning. Right. Um, we're getting the credits, so we're getting like the actors and people who are in the movie. That's where I saw Phil Tippett, and I just went Phil Tippett. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, so that, that could have some good animation stuff. Um, these two characters are just sparring with each other with some wood swords. It's like a mentor mentee sort of thing. Then this. Uh, blonde guy rolls up another sort of knight for this kingdom and he's like, ah, the, the peasants are rising up. Mm-hmm. Oh no, the, the poor people are revolting. Ah, oh, shoot. Um, and <laughs> I wrote, the king doesn't seem too bothered by, uh, doesn't seem as bothered by this as his blonde boyfriend does. Right. Uh, and again, Dennis Quaid wasn't the king. He's a different character. So that, so that explains why he didn't seem to care about the peasants revolting. And I don't know if I even know what that blonde character's name is. Later on, in this part, he's just blonde and has a beard. Later on, he also has, like, a hawk with him. Oh, yeah. A falcon. I I have no idea what this character's name is. He just shows up time to time throughout the movie. Did you you ever see that skit from Saturday Night Live, The Falconer? Uh, Probably. I forget. I don't know. Who did it? Um... I did write at the beginning of this, is this going to be a Hamilton, or Hamilton, Hamlet situation? Like, is that the uncle and he's going to kill Dennis Quaid and the son's going to want whatever? Again, still had no idea they were actually related in any way. A very young buff Dennis Quaid. Um, He also looks, this is going to mean zero, nothing to you, but if anybody was to go back and watch this now, who's ever played... Uh, a Witcher game, or even maybe watch the Witcher show. Dennis Quaid—he's <laughs> wearing all black. He's got his—he's got long, like shoulder-length hair that's sort of tied back. He looks a lot like Geralt of Rivia, except it's not just—it's not like pure white hair. Is that the Henry Cavill? Mm-hmm. He does look like him, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. He's got that half up, half down hairdo. Yep. Yeah, they do look alike. Um. I did say, uh, at this point, the the prince and Bowen, which is Dennis Quaid's character, go to the town that's kind of having a revolt, and I learn, I go, oh, they're not father and son. The kid is the king's son, but Quaid is like a teacher or army captain or something along those lines. Um, we see, basically, all the king's men just sort of killing random <laughs> peasant people uh, in sort of a fight. Um... At one point, we see a guy start burning down houses. It took me a very long time to realize that guy was the king because he was wearing a crown. I just thought he was some random asshole. Just a random jerk. Um, and I said, oh, the guy's getting Ewoked because it was a trap. All of the peasants were hiding in the house. And when uh, he like got yeah. in 
got into one spot, they all bum-rushed him, knocked him off his horse, and then poked him with sticks to death. <laughs> they did Ewok him. <clears throat> they did Ewok him. Um, you can hear my surprise, because I was like, oh, the kid down, the kid runs down to save the man, and I was like, wait, is that the king? And I was like, oh yeah, he does have a crown on, I guess. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, the, the son ends up, I, what is the son's name? I also don't remember. I'll just call him the prince for now. I referred to him a lot in my notes as Joffrey. Yeah, he's a little he, shit. He reminded me of Joffrey from uh, He goes down, and instead of, like, really spending too much time seeing if his father's alive, he just takes the crown off of his head and takes it from him. Yeah. And during this part, um, the kid... Yeah, the kid literally goes, that's mine, when he pulls it away from him. And then he bumps into some woman, and he f knocks himself into, I don't know, like a stable or something, a, a wood plank that's got something sharp on it that stabs him in the chest. Right. Uh, he gets impaled. And I thought this part was funny because the woman has a like a metal helmet on, and she takes it off. And when she did that, I was like, oh, this is just like the moment in Lord of the Rings of... I am, I am no man. Yeah. He was like, I, what did he say? I can kill, I, I can kill any man. I am no man. I, I can't be killed by a man. I can't Or be something killed. like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Quaid rides in, grabs the prince, takes off with him. Uh, the blonde guy tells the queen that her husband's dead. Um, and then... Bowen rides in with the prince, and the queen takes a handful of people to this cave up in the woods uh, to a dragon that she just knows is hanging out in there. Uh, Sean Connery voices the dragon, who at this point does not have a name. No. Um, I called him Double O Scales. That's adorable. You know, haha, <laughs> Sean Connery, James Bond. That's very funny. Um, the dragon says... He will only help the prince if the boy swears to go with him uh, uh, to, like, be good, do good, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the prince says he will, and the dragon gives him a part of his heart. The dragon heart heals the prince, uh, and everybody leaves. And Bowen vows at this point to do anything that the dragon ever asks of him. Because he owes him. Uh, because he owes him a debt for saving the prince. And the dragon says to just keep the little shit in line. Yeah. It says just make sure he upholds his vow of being good. This is part of the th issue that I have with this movie. Um, it jumps very quickly between things. Like, very quickly just jumps from one thing to the next thing. Because immediately when they leave the cave... The kid is already just being a shit to people. Yeah. Um, and Bowen tries to stop him to remind him of, like, hey, stop being crappy. You're not supposed to be. Um, you were given this amazing gift um, with the, you know, I mean, I guess, like a verbal contract that you're going to do good in the world and be a decent human being. Um, and he's not. He's just he's crappy not. right away. Yeah. So he, he really does not value the gift that he was given. Yeah, and then Bowen thinks that the dragon caused him to be evil. So we instantly cut back to the cave. It feels like the passage of time here is like nothing. Because it leave the cave, kids shit back to the cave. 
There's no, like, progression into him being shitty. They're, like, he is just shitty. He's just a shitty guy. Uh, Bowen goes back, and Bowen uh, yells at the dragon, being like, Hey, I'm gonna kill you because you made this kid shitty. Ah, you suck. And the dragon's not there, so he's just yelling at nothing. Right. From here, we cut 12 years into the future. Which I wasn't expecting this to have a, a time skip in it. Yeah. Uh, and we see... <laughs> I said Bowen's doing his best Witcher impression <laughs> as he rides into this field with a bow and arrow ready to let loose, chasing after a dragon. Right. We don't even see this other dragon. We see no other dragons in this. We're just told that he has killed dragons. And he fights this dragon. He kills it. He brings back, like, a horn to get paid by some people. And then this guy who I guess is a... a priest or monk or something he's like a monk is there i've just referred to him as a poet because he keeps saying he wants to write like poems about things and reciting poetry type stuff he shows up and he's like oh my god you're like the greatest guy ever i want to hang out with you and, and write poems about your bravery and stuff and bone's like okay i don't give a shit he's a he's like fangirling over this dragon slayer yeah um, we then get to see the little shit has grown up into a big shit. This is where <laughs> David Thulis, Thulis comes in. He is the king. Uh, long blonde hair does not look great on him. No, <laughs> it does not. It makes me hate him even more. He's, and if you don't recognize that name, he did. He was in Fargo, and he, he did, was uh, Lupus. In Harry Potter, I think is his name. The werewolf teacher guy. Oh. Uh, and then he was also in Big Mouth as the shame wizard. He's a shame monster. The shame monster, yeah. We love that show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he does not look good in that awfully, like... It, it, I have to think that that's a wig. Oh, it's definitely a wig. It's terrible. It looks like super pissed yellow synthetic hair. Yeah, there's no way it's not a wig. No. But what we see is he goes down to like this, I called it a quarry, I don't know, it's a bunch of these peasants and, and people are building some shit, and down there is one of these peasants that he, in the past, blinded when he was a little shitty kid, yeah. and now he's just shooting arrows at the guy randomly, just all over the place, and we get to see the girl who nearly killed him, all grown up now, she's got a long red hair, her name is... Karen or something with a K, I think. I also don't know. I just referred to her as the woman a lot because I don't know she, what her name was. Again, another like throwback I thought to Game of Thrones. She reminded me a lot of um, Ygritte. Is that the... Kara is her Kara. name. Kara. I was yeah, close. She, she reminded me a lot of the redhead from the wildling from Game of Thrones. So she's very... Um, scrappy she's very um athletic she wants to like you know she's not a girl she's not a girly girl yeah um she basically asks the king not to kill the guy uh but he does anyway because he's a shitty person and then he takes her with him mm -hmm. he just kidnaps her um which is <laughs> something you could do as a king i suppose um, we get to watch the the poet's still with Bowen, 
And Bowen is leading him to, like, this little river area looking for another dragon who he thinks is maybe behind this waterfall. The poet sits up on top of this rock and starts to write, like, poems about Bowen, the dragon slayer. And as he's, like... I don't know what exactly he's doing here. Because they're using a quill or something. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, because it's, like, a medieval times sort of thing. No ink, but he's, like poking it on what he thinks is a rock but we see that it's a dragon yeah weird thing here is this dragon seemed to camouflage itself as rocks we never once see it utilize a camouf camouflaging thing at all again no. but the dragon gets tired of being poked in the head goes into the waterfall and basically tells bone like leave me alone or else i'll kill you like i killed these other people um and again, this is also another thing that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Sure, it has been 12 years, but if I think I met a dragon that spoke to me and was like a big part of my life, I might remember what that dragon sounds like. Because that's a very specific voice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just strange to me that I guess, you know, it's a... Don't think about it too much. It's been 12 years. Maybe they don't remember each other. But I feel like if I vowed to kill something... I try and remember everything about it, which would also include its voice. <laughs> I think you're right that there are a lot of parts in the movie that you're not supposed like don't focus on it too much. Yeah. Um, so a fight ensues. Uh, the dragon tries to fly away. Bowen chases after it. Bowen's got again another thing that we don't ever see anything like this in the rest of the movie. But he presses. He like hits a thing on his horse's saddle. That pulls out, like, this weird grappling hook mechanism that hooks onto the dragon's feet. And then Bowen's just, like, being dragged along with it. We never see any other... Nothing else like this throughout the rest of the movie. No. It's this weird, like, contraption that he either built or somebody built for him. That he doesn't seem to think would be at all useful at all for any other time in the movie. Just this one time. It's a weird thing that's in there. I just realized what a this this movie also gives if you watched in the 90s Hercules or Xena Warrior Princess it gives a lot of those vibes too because they did just kind of do things that didn't make sense and you just enjoyed it and you didn't yeah you didn't marinate on it yeah um finally the dragon kind of stands toe to toe with Bowen uh the dragon has a and again, this is another thing that just sort of happens once and is never shown or brought up again. But the dragon's tail has, like, these spikes on it that he closes that then make his tail basically like an axe. Like a double-sided axe that he's swinging around at Bowen. Uh, he swings it around a bunch, eventually gets it stuck into a tree. Just, you know, as you do. He tells Bowen that he's the last dragon and is basically like, just kill me. And Bowen's like, ah, I don't believe that you're the last dragon. I just killed this other one the other day. And he's like, yeah, we were the last two. Yeah. So. Asshole. Um, Thanks for that. Bowen ends up getting almost eaten alive. But he kind of sticks his sword into the roof of the dragon's mouth. And they're kind of at a stalemate talking to each other. Uh, I do <laughs> He picks some bones out of the dragon's teeth, yeah. uh, to which the dragon thanks him for doing that because it's been stuck in there for a while. We also see the dragon's 
is it uvula the dangly thing in the back of the throat mm -hmm. i don't know why that needed to be animated or shown it just it is um the dragon spits on him <laughs> at one point which yep. okay i like that he picked his teeth yeah and then after all this they find they they basically call a truce they're like let's just talk instead of doing this they get out and they come to a, a mutually sort of beneficial deal. Mm -hmm. The dragon doesn't die, but Bowen can still, you know, go to towns and do a con of killing a dragon and saving people. Yeah. Basically, just kind of faking being a dragon slayer. Yeah, so we get to see that next. Bowen rides into some random town. He's just sitting there, and then the dragon comes in, sets fire to a field roars some bits flies around bones like oh you know for the right price i could i could take care of yeah. it for you and they pay him he shoots a a massive arrow at the dragon the dragon catches it puts it under his armpit and acts like he's been shot right falls into the water swims away underwater so he can't be detected and everybody's like wow the dragon's dead woohoo except we see someone come in isn't this when she comes in and no. she's like, oh, okay. That's later. They yeah. haven't met yet. Oh, yeah. I retract that. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, after this successful night, Bowen and, and the dragon sort of have a moment. The dragon says he's afraid of dying and losing his soul because he gave his soul to someone and that somebody is shitty and because of that he doesn't, or he gave part of his heart to somebody and that reflects on him. So he doesn't think that when he dies that his soul is going to go to... The great sky at Basically night. Basically like dragon heaven. Yeah. He wants to... Uh, it, it reminded me a lot of the Lion King. The way that Mufasa talked about, you know, when you die, you go up to the stars and that's... Right. That's where you reside. Um, we get back to Kara in the castle. She tries to kill the king, but he just kind of has fun with it. It's a kink of his to be murdered. Almost murdered. <laughs> Um, he tells her that he owes her for giving him the scar because he remembered who she who she was from when they were younger, um, and basically he's just shitty to her. He's like, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you mine, and that's all there is to it." Mm -hmm. We cut back, and Bowen tells talks about wanting to kill the dragon who gave the king his part of his heart. Um, the dragon says. Um, the dragon says that it wasn't the dragon who made the king shitty. It was the king who was already shitty, yeah. just becoming more shitty. But Bowen still refuses to see that that's actually the case. Which, again, kind of makes sense, because even in the beginning of the movie, the, the shittiest thing he does leading up to getting the heart is when he runs down and just doesn't give a shit that his father's dead and goes, that's mine, and takes the crown. Like, that's the worst thing that he does. Before that... Nothing all that awful or whatever. Um, we see that when the king gets hurt, that the dragon gets hurt. Because the dragon kind of recoils in some pain, and we cut back to seeing the king. The car did stab him in, like, the shoulder. Right. So we can see that there's a connection there. Um, and the king is still trying to seduce uh, Kara, is basically what I said. Unsuccessfully. Unsuccessfully. Uh, shortly after this, uh, during the night, the queen sneaks in, 
and she gets Kara and she takes her through like a hidden passageway out of the castle and lets her go free. And we then get also that night that Bowen and the dragon are kind of looking up at the sky and Bowen says, uh, the dragon's like, are you just going to keep calling me dragon? He's like, well, do you have a name? He's like, not that you could speak in your tongue. It's whatever, some weird noise. And he's like, hmm, okay. And then he's looking up at the stars and he looks at this constellation and he goes, oh, you see that one up there? Yeah, that's the whatever, it's all dragons, or it's in the shape of a dragon, so we'll call you uh, Draco. And he's like, so you're just going to call me dragon in a different language? <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 it's fine, call me Draco. So the name Draco is what we go with. Right. Um, Bowen ends up running into Kara while they're trying to pull the Khan. Uh, she's like just she's in the village trying to tell people we need to revolt against the king. He's shitty. None of them are listening to her. They're like throwing mud and stuff at her face. Um, and Bowen just kind of shows up and he's waiting to do his thing. He's sitting there, and uh, that that's when uh, Draco comes in, starts doing his thing, shooting fire, breathing fire, all that sort of stuff. And. Bone's like, you know, for money, I can get rid of him for you. But the town's like, we don't have any money, yeah. though. And he's like, oh. Uh, and he thinks quick on his feet. He's like, oh, you know what? Uh, a maiden sacrifice would do. You could sacrifice a maiden, and, and that'll work. And the guy, the like leader of the town's like, ah, I don't want to give up my three like beautiful daughters or whatever. So instead, they tie Kara to a little post, like they're going to burn her at a stake to wheel her towards the dragon and <laughs> Bowen just tells tells him just eat her just yeah. eat her get it over with we'll be fine he doesn't want to do that um she's having a terrible time mm -hmm. but <laughs> everyone's so mean to her but Draco or I keep saying Draco Draco does fly down grabs her flies off with her and then Bowen rides off after him mm -hmm. uh we find that they're at the waterfall and Draco is just talking to Kara, like, no big deal, nothing happened. And Bowen shows up like, bro, what the fuck, what are you doing? We're just having, like, like you, some you, you took time. off, I was trying to find you and search for you, and you just left me high and dry. They're hanging out, they're getting to know each other. Um, he, and Draco was singing a song for her. Again, this is another thing that will never come back to the rest of this movie, was him singing and her being like, oh, you're pretty good at singing. That was really cute. I, he, we that can, he was singing to her? Yeah. You, we can tell that he, he likes her and he has a sense about her that she's a kind person. Yeah, I think that's probably what it means. Um, so Bowen is mad at Draco for taking off. Uh, and then Draco senses somebody's coming and he runs into the waterfall. And it's the king and his men... And the king's like, oh, Bowen, hey, long time no see. Why don't you come back and work for me, man? You were cool. Yeah. He's like, I also appreciate you finding my, my lost woman for me. And he's like, uh, I don't think she wants to go with you. <laughs> and then they have a little standoff and a, a bit of a sword fight. And <clears throat> Bowen is, like, slowly coming to the realization that, no, the king has always been shitty. And the king gets an upper hand on him, but before the king can swing like a decisive blow uh draco comes out 
and jumps in the way to protect Bowen, and the king and all of his men get scared and run away. Right. Yeah, he's... Bowen's finally realized that it wasn't just him being, like, a kid, boys will be boys kind of thing. Like, he's always been a bad person. Yeah. He's always been a little shit. Yeah. So Kara tries to convince Bowen, after the king's left, left to uh, basically lead the people in the revolt. Right. Um, and he is... Pretty uninterested in it. Um, so him and Draco head off to the next scam. Yes. Their next Ponzi scheme. So, yeah, we cut to a village. Bowen's sitting there waiting. Uh, Draco comes in, starts doing his fire breath thing. Shooting houses and whatever. And as he's starting to give this spiel about, Hey, I'll help. Blah, blah, blah. And the people start paying I'm him. The, I'm the hero that you need. Yeah. Kara comes in and starts to be like, no, 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 they're scamming you. That's not right. And before she can finish, uh, the poet guy, priest, man, whatever he is, shows up and starts to say, no, Bowen's the greatest dragon slayer who's ever lived. I've witnessed him kill at least two, well, one and a half dragons. One and a half. Don't listen to her. She's silly. Listen to me. I am a witness. Um, so, the whole event starts going, they do their whole thing, Dra- uh, I keep wanting to say, like, Drago, or Draco. Draco, Draco Malfoy. I know, Draco Malfoy. The dragon flies around, Bowen sets up the arrow, he shoots it, Draco does his little Shakespeare act in the yeah. sky, falls into the water, except it's like a bog, and it's not, it's like two feet deep, so he can't right. sink into it. He literally, at one point, Bone Bone goes, like, sink deeper. And he kind of mumbles under his breath, I can't. It's mud. There's nowhere else to sink. And then the people take upon themselves, like, oh, he's just right there. Let's attack him. Also, this part is something else that I don't understand and find really stupid in this movie. Is that Draco can clearly talk, and people can talk back to him. We've seen... Uh, Bowen, Kara, the queen, um, I guess the king at one point when he was a, just a kid, all talk back to Draco. But when he's laying there like, I can't go down, it's almost like everyone else who's within ten feet of him can't hear him no. except Bowen. I and th- it's it's dumb. Like I'd It's not like, very well thought out. I'd like to think that maybe they were just so talking over each other and being so loud that they didn't even notice that he was talking. I think that's how my brain absorbed that. But they definitely were like, oh, and then <laughs> this was another thing uh, thing I didn't understand. They just start chanting meat. <laughs> meat. <laughs> the meat. townspeople, yeah. Meat. Like, we're just going to go cut up a dragon and eat its flesh. Do we know if that's okay for people to eat? or One way to find out. But yeah, so they, they like, want to go and, like, basically chop him up. Yeah, so the townspeople um, do turn... Draco flies away because the town people are coming after him. Yeah, he said, fuck that. And they turn on Bowen, the poet, 
priest guy and Kara, and they all try to kind of run away. My my big note for this scene was when they realized, because Draco literally was like, fuck this, I'm, I'm not going to just pretend to lay here while these people try to chop me up. So he took off, and as soon as he took off, the way that the townspeople look at you know, their, their dragon slayer is, I wrote down, like, from Family Guy, you're a big fat phony. <laughs> like, that's literally what everyone was like. That sounds they, about right. So everyone turned to be like, so you lied. So we're going to go after you. Yeah, so they all chase them all, kind of all around the town. Yeah. Um, I did make, I found it kind of funny that the the money sack that they were going to pay him in was a pig's head. It was a pig's head. Very strange, but whatever. They're like barbarian-looking people. Um, I also don't. I also don't think that that's very practical. No. Draco comes in to rescue them. They're all. All three of them are 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 on a horse. Jeez, I can't speak. Are on a horse, and Draco comes in and grabs them and if, flies off. What's hilarious about this horse? One of those classic horse scenes where someone is on a horse, they're running, and then they grab someone and fling them onto the back of the horse, and it does not look, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense when you watch it. So he grabs Kara, 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 Kara flings her on the back, and then goes further and grabs the monk and flings him on the back, so they're sandwiched together, and the monk ends up having to steady himself by putting his hand on her boobs. It was like, oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me for my sins. It it doesn't it didn't it doesn't look great. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of banter while they're being flown through the air. To the priest at this point is realizing that they do know the dragon. Um, so he's now in on the scheme, uh, and his name is Gilbert, by the way. Right. Uh, Draco flies them like all night long. To Avalon, where they can take shelter among King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table's tombs. Right. Um, which is kind of cool. There was mentions of King Arthur really early in the movie, um, which didn't really seem to matter about anything. I think it was just to be like, he was the most holiest of knights ever kind of nonsense. Right. Um, but while they're here, Draco... And Gilbert basically decide that they're going to go with Kara to try and... Kara, Kara, whatever. To try and rally the citizens or the poor people of her village to revolt against the king and, and try and overthrow him. And he also reveals that he is the dragon who gave half of his heart to the king. Right. Which, again, Bowen's kind of dumb that, one, he has not recognized the voice... Two, if you're trying to kill this one dragon, and you've killed all the other dragons, process of elimination. But three, like, I don't know, I feel like it should have been quite clear at this point. You would think. I mean, this is a grown-ass adult, and he's not really connecting the dots in yeah. any way. Um, so, Bowen turns down going to do the revolution thing and he just stays and broods all night long 
up to the point of it being rainy and perfectly moody out. Um, and while he's there, he's, so there's sort of like a, a vision kind of happens. Like he starts to hear voices and then he walks out towards like the circuit, like the, it's all, clearly it's supposed to be like a round table of graves right. or whatever. And on one of them, it almost looks like a face shows up, but it might just be l- quite literally sculpted into this one is right. King Arthur or whoever. And Bowen has like a come to Jesus moment and recites his vows to be like the the greatest knight and do what's right and just no matter what sort of thing. And then Draco, knowing that this was going to happen, came back to get him. I felt like it was also maybe a little bit of um, he was in his feels and he was, you know, going through some emotions that he didn't know how to process and maybe in this, it's also a, like a huge thunderstorm that maybe he is just kind of seeing shadows in certain areas and maybe that was it. Maybe. I don't know. Um, so Bowen joins them. They go off to this little... Again, this is the village we saw at the beginning, basically. And it seems to be more or less right outside the castle. Because somebody, the blonde guy, keeps checking up on it every now and then. Mm -hmm. But Bowen gets there and he's like, alright, if we're gonna do this, I'll train all of you. I'll teach you how to use swords and stuff. And there's like a little montage of people using bow and arrows and swords and all that sort of stuff. And then Blondie shows up on top of the hill and he just looks down on this village like, ah, another day, let's see how miserable these people are. And he just sees an entire town of people out in broad daylight, sword fighting each other. Like, if you're trying to plan a revolt or something, maybe it, don't yeah, do it don't, in your front yard. Don't do it um, in front of everyone. And it's very clear that they are not um, accustomed to combat. Because <laughs> they're not very well choreographed in what they're doing. It's it's a terrible montage. Yeah. Um, so Blondie goes off and tells the king, hey, they're planning a revolt. Uh, we gotta do something. And the king doesn't really give a shit. Uh, he's like, fine, take your men, whatever, do what you need to do. The queen at this point also says, uh, oh yeah, he tells him that he's got a dragon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because he saw it, uh, Draco like laying down on top of the castle or whatever. I do want to point out, I think we've maybe seen it already, but the dragon breathes fire out of its nostrils. Yes. Which, I'm sure I've seen that in other things before, but is just curious. (laughs) It is interesting, and he can kind of control it where he can do, like, one at a time. Like, I feel like there was a couple scenes where he... Yeah, like, well, he, they have a campfire at one point, and he blocks one of his nostrils yeah. and shoots fire out the other one. Is that, like, him, like, blowing his nose? I don't like, know. Instead of snot, it's just... <laughs> fire. It's fire. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, so the queen tells the king, hey, look, I brought you some people. And she's like... And he's, like, not impressed. He's like, what are these? Because it's only five of them. And she goes, they're the best dragon slayers around. And it's like, okay, sure. Introduce more dragon slayers. The point is, they're going to kill the dragon, whatever. Right. 
She's like, sure. she's basically hired on assassins. Um, shortly after this, the attack does begin. Draco takes it upon himself to besiege the castle alone. He just flies around, shooting fire all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of the dragon slayers die here. Mm Mm-hmm. In, like, the dumbest ways. Like, one of them... One of them gets shot by an arrow or something that's meant for the dragon. Um, I think another one might get set on fire or something. I think it's actually maybe only two of them die here. But one of them, like, gets... One of the giant archery things rolled into him. And then, like, falls over a wall and hangs there. And I just count that as he died. Because... I think we only see three later on. I don't... Did you see the part where we find out that the monk has his secret hidden talent? Of shooting the arrows? Yeah. Yeah, that was with the montage thing. Yeah, with the montage. We see that even though he's never in his life shot an, a bow and arrow, um, he's asked to, you know, aim at a, a dummy target and then shoots it, like, square in the head. And then does it again, shoots it square in the crotch. Yeah. So we we see that he's very talented. So while Draco's flying around uh, attacking the castle, the king is leading his forces into the forest, uh, thinking like, oh, we're just going to steamroll these guys. Guess what? Ewoked again. Ewoked. They just literally fall straight into a trap. Uh, the Bowen's army has more people than they suspected. They've got archers up in the trees mm-hmm. um all this sort of stuff so they're literally just getting caught off guard again Ewoked again Ewoked. um this is where we get like the best look at the sword play in this movie and it is awful mm-hmm. it looks really silly it's just like half-hearted looking swings at people who then just sort of like fall over on the ground None of it looks great, so don't look at it too hard. Um, thankfully, there's not, like, a ton of it. We see no. Bowen a few times, like, swing a sword at somebody or, like, half-heartedly do, like, a little jab at them, and then they're like, oh, God, I'm it's, dead. It's not good. <laughs> it's not great to watch, but... Um, Bowen, during all this, spots the king, and he wants to go straight for the king for the kill. But as he's going towards the king, he looks over and sees Kara fighting a guy... Uh, who's bigger than her, and he decides, I'm going to let the king go. I'll go after Kara. And she ends up just being fine. She kills the guy on her own. Bone wasn't needed at all, so you fucked up. Yep. Um, But the poet uh, does, while he's up in the tree, he doesn't directly kill anyone, but he does kill quite a few people. Yeah, he does a good job. He sets off... uh, quite literally a trap from star uh from return of the jedi where he like shoots an arrow into a trees mm-hmm. and a log that's tied by like vines swoops down and just yeah. smashes straight into a couple people yeah it's pretty silly um and then he also shoots somebody in the butt he he <laughs> shoots someone in the butt because he keeps saying thou shalt not kill uh the king decides to call for a retreat so he's running through the woods going, retreat, retreat, retreat. And the poet shoots the king, uh, like, 
almost exactly where his scar from the heart would be. Mm -hmm. But Bowen notices at this point, because he can see it like in the in the distance, that it also hurt Draco. Right. So he knows he knows the he knows what's up. Right. Um, the king realizes it as well, um, and then the remaining dragon sl- uh, slayers capture Draco at the castle. They chain him down. Uh, the queen tells them, or the king gets back in time to prevent them from killing him because he realizes that they're like intertwined, basically. Right. Um. So the king just says, don't kill him, we're going to keep him, that's all we need. Later that night, the queen sneaks up, kills one of the dragon slayers, and then talks to Draco, and they have this moment, and this is a quote about, um, is, what's the sky look like or something? Yeah, he says basically... Or can you see the stars and the sky is clear or something? He's chained down in a way that he can't move at all. So he's completely chained down. And his, you know, what he said before is that he loves looking up at the stars to see where his, you know, fellow dragons have gone, you know, once they've passed. And he asks the queen, you know, how, how did the stars look tonight? And I kind of at first thought that she was shit like I thought that she was just a really terrible person but I realized in this scene quickly that she has a kind heart and she understands that her son sucks yeah she's known the whole time and she knows that she's failed because he's shitty Um, so while she's sitting there talking to Draco he basically says look you need to kill me this is your chance and she goes to do it but the king stops her. Yep. He, like, creeps up on her. Sees he doesn't she... really creep up on her. He just stops he her. Just He's like, I of... knew you were going to do it, mother. Yeah. So he just kind of proves that, even to my mom, I've sucked this entire time. You're not going to kill that dragon. Yeah. Uh, so he takes her into a dark corridor and just kills his mother off screen. We hear a little scream, but she never comes back, so he killed his own mother. Um, And it's good to know, too, that Draco did, I mean, you do see him kind of like a a chained up dog or animal. Like, he's trying his best, and he's angry. He's trying to get out of the chains to make this stop. Yeah. He was, like, kind of growling a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Our heroes are sneaking into the castle. Yeah, they're sneaking in. Through the catacombs that Kara escaped through earlier. So she brings in Bowen. um, And Gilbert, I think, is there, maybe? Or maybe it's just Bowen? I don't really remember. But some of the townspeople also show up, and they're like, hey, we're going to let the rest of our guys in. Yeah. And they're like, cool, we'll go up and see if we can't find the king or free uh, Draco. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with with him, uh, with his name. Um, As they're sneaking in, this castle secret passageway leads into the king's bedchambers. And who's laying, lounging on the bed? The king. He's like, I knew you'd come. Mm -hmm. Thanks for bringing the lady back, Bowen. Thank you. Shithead. (laughs) 
and uh, they start to have a little bit of a fight. Um, we see the rest of the army does get sneak does sneak into the castle. They open up the gates, and a bunch more kind of come pouring into the castle. Um, during all this, a lot of things kind of happen. We didn't really touch on it at all, but Jason Isaacs is in this movie, uh, and he gets killed at this point. Yeah. Um, his character's so minuscule and unimportant to the story, so it doesn't really matter. Um, we also see that Kara, while going around trying to get to Draco to help, uh, runs into Blondie, and she ends up killing him. Yep. So he's gone. All the bad guys are falling one at a time now. And while... While Bowen and the King are fighting, they end up getting on top of this, like, tower. Uh, and they're fighting up on this tower, high up in the sky. And <laughs> basically, the King just falls off the edge. Yeah. He falls off the edge, all the way down, seemingly to, like, his death or doom. But Draco's still fine and alive, so King can't be dead. Right. Uh, if you've been paying attention, you would realize that. Right. So they go and they free Draco. Uh, and as they're doing that, Draco asks Bowen to kill him. Like, yeah. the only way you can stop him, or not really the only way you can stop him, but if you kill him, you're going to kill me. So just kill me and then you'll kill him sort of situation. And Bowen at first is just like, no, he's, didn't you see? He just fell off that building. Mm-hmm. He's dead. And Draco's like... No, you idiot. I'm still alive. Yeah. That so can't if be. I'm still alive. He's still alive. Um, but Bowen refuses to kill Draco. And the king shows up, puts a knife up against Kara's throat. Is like, haha, I'm still alive, sucker. Um, the... <laughs> Bowen then. He's he's got like this double sided axe that he's been using in the in this fight, oh and God. while he's sitting there, kind of in a standoff, Draco stands up, lifts up his little booby flap, um, to <laughs> where his where his scar is, mm-hmm. and Bowen throws the axe into the scar, mm-hmm. which effectively kills both of them. Was it like lifting up like a scale? Yeah. Yeah, like he yeah, he lifted up a little scale so he could Yeah, his, have bo- his, his booby scale. His booby scale so it could be vulnerable for attack because he knows that this asshole is not he's not going to stop. If he's been this shitty his entire life, he's not stopping. So the king dies mm-hmm. and Draco gets a moment to kind of say his piece and he's like, "All right, Bowen, you've killed all of us now. Congratulations. Um, But you saved everybody. You're going to be a great... You know, you can do good things. Rule these people. Show them kindness. Whatever. And then he just turns into, like, a a spirit or dust or something. Uh, So, this is when Draco, he basically turns into Stardust. And this is where we're getting the theme song again, but this time in its fullness. And my important note was, tell me that song isn't beautiful here. It's gorgeous. 
So he he turns to dust, just like you know. Again, in the Lion King, we're told that they, when they pass, they go on into the stars, and um, there is a very good quote at the end. But I'll be. Uh, so as Draco turns into stardust, um, his ashes kind of blow around people and then go up into the sky when they're in in this part (laughs) this part's even weirder um it goes up into the sky all the other stars of the constellation surround it turn into one big star explode shooting stardust all over the place and then reform back into the constellation but with one new star added to it to be like yeah that's that's draco and uh, cut to um, child Maggie in 1996 sobbing her eyes out. It was very emotional. You I, you were nearly there. I was actually nearly there. I think I said I had goosebumps. Probably. Yeah, I had a lump in my throat for sure. But it is a very... They play that song and it just fucking it gets you. Um, we do get, at this point, leading into the ending, we get a little bit of a voiceover from Gilbert, uh, that just basically says, Bowen and Kara went on to lead the kingdom, uh, into an era of justice and peace, with Draco's star shining brighter than ever in troubled times. And that when things became the most difficult, Draco's star shone more brightly for all of us who knew where to look. So if you knew where to look in the sky... The guiding star. You would see. Um, and that's... Fucking dragon. Beautiful. That's <laughs> That's Dragonheart. Um, it's a relatively short movie. It's barely an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know this episode's a bit shorter than most of our episodes typically are. But there's not too much to it. It's not exactly a super complex movie. No. Um, the there You know, there's some behind-the-scenes stuff that's interesting like with industrial light and magic um creating first using something that they created in this movie Mm -hmm. um some of the people who are involved like the director who would go on to direct the first fast and the furious movie which ended up spawning a massive franchise to phil tippett being involved um and him just being like a big industry sort of legend it's it's an interesting movie it's full of like dennis quaid still does things in fact i think he had a movie out this year where he plays somebody's like dad but i'm pretty sure it's like a jesus movie uh and has something to do with baseball or whatever but it's just full of like like i don't know it's very much a time capsule of 1996 dennis quaid is not exactly a leading man anymore or anything like that uh hasn't been for a number of years and the rest of the people are all just like you know sean connery obviously died a handful of years back um and then the guy who plays gilbert um i think may have also died or is also like just he just does a lot of side things hilariously this movie has ties to two Jurassic Park movies because yes. it has ties to the first Jurassic Park in that Industrial Light Magic and Phil Tippett came over from that to this, basically. And then the gu- guy who plays Gilbert went on to be in 
Lost World, Jurassic Park, which is Jurassic Park 2, to be the hunter guy in that movie who is the best hunter guy in any of the movies. I guess. He is. He's the one. He quite literally knows what he needs to do. He does what he does non-lethally. Capture them, captures them, and then is the only one outside of the guy in the first movie who one does not die, but also does not have any nefarious intent with the dinosaurs. The clever girl guy. Yeah. He didn't. No. He he died. He was basically pointless. This guy knows his shit. Knows how to survive. Survives. Captures the T Rex, and then just goes. That's all. I was paid to do a job. I did the job. I'm out. I don't have I'm any ties to these people. I don't care about the rest of it. I'm punching my card up. He's, he's the best best hunter in Jurassic Park. I think, yeah, I think that it really is, like you said, a, a time capsule. It's a punch in the nostalgia if you watched it back when it came out. And, you know, it may not be the greatest cin- cinematic masterpiece but for what it is, I think that it's great. For what it is. It's fine. It's, I don't, you know, I bought it <laughs> so I could watch it at any time, but I don't foresee myself ever watching it again, I oh, don't Oh, we'll think. get wrecked because I'm going to watch it a lot. That's fine. You can. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's perfectly fine. I... Had about the same level of enjoyment with this movie as I did the one that we watched from, like, two years ago or something. That we watched back in oh, January. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were about even to me. They're no. they're silly. They're dumb. Uh, there's nothing that interesting or creative going on. No. At all? Not even a whisper? I might have laughed more at this one. But, you know, you in, in the newest one, I thought... I forget the character... The character's name, but the one guy who is tied, connected to the dragon in some way, he was a more interesting character than Bowen is. Bowen's a, a pretty unforgettable, unremarkable character. Um, and then the new movie also has this weird, like, here are these four evil knights. The wolf, the scorpion, the whatever. Totally pointless and stupid, but kind of hilarious that they all have these little, like, aesthetics going for them. Uh, also it has a uh, Helena Bottom Carter in it, who voices yeah. the dragon. So she was a, she's yeah, she was uh, good. as good as Sean Connery is here. Again, if I saw this in 1996 when I was six years old, I probably would have really enjoyed it. That's all I needed. But you I, saw it when you were in nearly your 30 years later, and I'm seeing it for the first time, and it's fine. I'll take that. It's fine. I'll take that. Put on your rose-tinted nostalgia glasses and just enjoy it. I will. Um, if you haven't listened to the theme song, go listen to it. Yeah, I guess. Go listen to the it's theme incredible. song, I suppose. I'm pretty sure they played it at the Oscars. They did. Oh, at the Oscars. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. In 1997? Yeah. I, I, how, how, I have no idea. Oh, I forgot. You were a baby. You, you baby boy. I can tell you I probably did not watch the Oscars in 1997. You little baby boy. You were watching the Oscars when you were 10 years old? No. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that's, that was this episode. It's, I don't know, you either already have seen this movie and probably love it, or maybe you just don't know if you should watch this movie and you're an adult, and I would say... Watch it! Meh. Watch it! Watch it! It's 
it's good. It was nominated for something, and that at least gives it a little bit of an edge. I guess. I mean, Will Smith punched an alien in an Independence Day, so that definitely deserved to win. All right. Welcome to Earth. (laughs) Oh, my God. Fucking stupid. I bet you somebody has made that scene but replaced the alien's face with Chris Rock's face. That is actually a very good idea of that's... something that YouTube... <laughs> anyway, that's, good, that's random. That's a good um, idea to Google. So, thanks for listening. If you made it all the way to the end, leave yeah. us a comment, a rating, uh, all that positive stuff. Share it around, post it wherever, that sort of thing. Let us know if you've watched it or if you plan to watch it, what your thoughts are. Yeah. Um, and you can always... We'll be back next week with another episode. As always, on Thursdays, you can find us uh, Friday over at Twitch at Chicken on a Stick Podcast, uh, where we're going to review whatever the latest movie is that we go see. And then you can find us Instagram, Facebook, all those places uh, at COAS underscore podcast. Check us out. Come follow us. All that sort of stuff. We're trying to grow. We've got a Discord, all that good stuff. So... Come hang out, talk movies and things. Next week is your week. Do you have any idea what you think you might do? No idea. No idea. Well, hmm. I have no guesses on what you would pick. Okay. (laughs) Just trying to think of what it might be. No idea. So we'll see what you pick. We will see what we pick. There's an amber alert. Don't, don't, don't bother. Um, so thanks for listening. (laughs) While the Amber Alert goes off in the background. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Again, leave those comments, and we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.